minimalism and the risk of superficiality, spirituality and video games, the journey of life and its digital mirror, the human need for friendship. I'm the Well-Read Mage, and this is MageCast. Actually, you're listening to the very first episode I ever recorded for this show, and it shows. The audio and direction are rough, but I hope that you'll find the content of the conversations on display are worth the bumpy ride. I can assure you that the audio quality dramatically improves as you move through this series, so don't be discouraged. A lot has happened since I recorded this initial episode. A lot has changed. But every journey has to have a beginning. We all have to start somewhere. On this episode, we're talking about Journey by That Game Company. And my special guests are the Timely Mage and the Black Humor Mage. It seemed appropriate to headline our first episode with two of the founders of the WellReadMage.com, now known as the Pixels.com. If the game Journey is partly about friendship and its antithesis, isolation, then you'll find my first two guests represent that theme nicely. MageCast is the podcast for conversationalists in a world where we've already stopped listening to each other. Learn more at thepixels.com, that's the-pixels.com, and patreon.com forward slash thepixels. I'm here with uh, two fairly amazing gentlemen who are actually the founding members of uh, the Well-Read Mage. So this is like the Justice League, except like our movie would be better, (laughs) I imagine. So anyways, I wanted to do a a little bit of introductions. Who wants to go first? You guys want to arm wrestle for it? No, arm on (laughs) (laughs) You can go first. All right, go ahead. Um, Hey, my name is Armando, also known as the Black Humor Mage. You can follow me at that Twitter handle and read any one of my glowing reviews of uh, Metal Gear Solid, which is one of my favorite games. Can can we go to that now? Yeah, yeah. what (laughs) What are some of your other favorite games? So my favorite video games, just um, just that Metal Gear Solid series, like in general, I can't really pick my favorite one out of the bunch. Um, Final Fantasy VII. Uh, it's just I just did a list of 111, so I'm good. <laughs> Start from yeah, the 111th game is. <laughs> what was it? Oh, it was DC Online. Uh, I didn't list that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Bloodborne. And hmm, I like Chrono Trigger and like a lot of just Mario games. Nintendo really, you know, all that kind of stuff. I like to have fun, basically. Mm-hmm. Having fun is good. Uh, what are you playing right now? Right now, I'm not having fun. I'm playing Dark Souls Remastered, which I'm pretty sure I get heart disease from it. <laughs> playing it, and like I try to play two games at once for some reason. I feel like. I have like so many in my backlog. I'm actually trying to play through that and Mass Effect, which that did not isn't that a good game. You're playing Mass Effect? Yeah, I'm trying, but like the dialogue is terrible. The first really? one, or like the voice acting, the voice acting in the first one. Oh, oh yeah. It's is it if it is it like Final Fantasy X like wincy? Yeah, a little bit. yeah, a little bit. Yeah. What's the when did that game come out? I've never played it's like PS3. Yeah. Okay. This is actually what we're going to do is just beg on games that are not Journey. Yeah. <laughs> the whole, the whole thing. Yeah. So, 
All right, good. And uh, we've also got somebody else here. Go ahead. All right. My name's Cameron. I'm the Timely Mage. Um, you can follow me on, uh, my name is ProtoAvi on Twitter. Um, and uh, my favorite game of all time that will probably carry to my grave is Final Fantasy VIII, just because it came at a very special time in my life and is just my first introduction into that emotional story-based, uh, you know, multi-layered uh RPG um, type of uh, genre, so I really uh, like those types of games. I've, I've been playing them ever since then, um, and uh, you know, lately I've been playing uh, No Man's Sky. I've been going back to that after the the large update that they just did, and um, just got off of uh, some other really cool games like you know, God of War. Um, oh, and one of the recent Indie games that I, you know, I guess like a hidden treasure would uh, be um, Cosmic Star Heroine. I really enjoyed that one. I didn't think I would as much as I did, but it uh, really brought me back to like the 90s era, um, like cartoon shows and, you know, really uh, kind of black and white. And But it was really cool, really fun battle system and everything. So, anyways, yeah, that's what I've been. I'm always having a game to play. I have a huge backlog. So. <laughs> <laughs> the backlog. Yeah. I'm playing Cosmic Star Heroine right now too, and it's pretty. It was a pretty great game. I got killed a couple times already from from uh, bosses that are pretty tough. I didn't know that your favorite game of all time was Final Fantasy VIII, and now I feel pretty bad for making fun of it all those times. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> you didn't own the your I knew he liked it, but I made fun of it. Prior to myself knowing that he liked it, um, now so, say it's not my. It's, I know it's not the best game of all time. Right, right, right okay. Right and this is an important distinction, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, too, is to be able to say that your favorites aren't necessarily like the games that you're vouching for is the best games. Yeah, like I hop. Used to make fun of I hop a lot, and they hurt my feelings because it's <laughs> <laughs> like a childhood restaurant of mine. Okay, I hop now. No, that was just a marketing campaign. Oh, okay. Uh, it was terrible. I mean, I guess it got people talking about IHOP. IHOP? Yeah. IHOP. Yeah, that is a terrible what did, you, what did you want the B to stand for? I thought it was breakfast. Yeah. Battle Royale. Battle Royale. <laughs> 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 oh, boy. Um, but anyway, yeah. Um, I've got several favorite games that are like, this is not the Earthworm Gym is one of my favorite games. I think it's a pretty freaking good game. Mm. But it's not... The best game there is, definitely. Okay, so <clears throat> my name is uh, Moses. I'm the Well-Read Mage. You can find me at that Twitter handle. Um, and on the wellreadmage.com and on Facebook. And I'll definitely mention list all this stuff. Just kidding. Um, LinkedIn. But yeah, LinkedIn. <laughs> For the Well-Read Mage. At the DMV app. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the three of us, uh, we've done writing. We've done gaming. We've done uh, projects together. Um, we've done all kinds of couple of things together. Um, minus growing up together. Um, I didn't grow uh, Did you guys grow up together? No. Okay, just checking. I didn't grow up with you guys. So, But we're pretty good fan friends. Pretty good friends. So I figured, you know, let's talk about this. So the game that we're going to talk about today is Journey. Journey is an indie game by that game company for PS3 and PS4. It was released originally in 2012, and it was directed by and developed by 
Genova Chen. So this game is uh, one that really stands out uh, for me when I think about gaming as a whole. Uh, it landed on my like fifth favorite game ever in that list of like 111 favorite games of mine. Um, but to start off with like a, a question, and we wanted to ask questions of each other and kind of think about this game, uh, is why does Journey stand out so much? I think um, just its raw simplicity. I, mean, I think that's why it's not, you know, like gilded or like, like, just like steroided out or anything. It's just mm -hmm. the game, you know, that's just like a very, very simple experience that you just kind of do in one sitting usually because I think it takes away from it if you like try to do it like in multiple sittings. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think because it's more just like an experience rather than like a game per se. And that was something that I read too in an interview um, with the developers that they were conscious about the game being too long so that if you had to complete it in multiple sittings, it would kind of lose that sense of uh, impact. It'd be like watching a movie in multiple sittings, mm -hmm. which I actually do all the time because I have children. But, <laughs> I can't do that. Yeah, but it's uh, right. It's, it ruins a lot of the, the sense of the climax, the, the emotional impact, the reward of following the character, all those difference, all that different distance, excuse me. Um, but why would you say, Cameron, this game is unique. Well, I, I uh, wholeheartedly agree um, uh, with Armando, and, and uh, you know, I say like uh, the minimalism is you know very important. You know, it's one of the few foundational minimalist games, you know, along with you know, uh, you know, uh, Shadow of the Colossus, uh, that show that very laser-focused design toward a specific theme or emotion. Uh, you know how impactful that is in gaming. Um, and you know, I mean, to be honest, I am not sure. I, you know, general audiences don't usually always catch on to something so um, uh, focused as that. So mm -hmm. why this one caught on as, right. as opposed to others? I think it. I think you know, part of it. Well, you know, it came on the scene. Um, well, you know, Flower beforehand. You know, it had also gotten a lot of attention. You know, and and for me, that was that was uh, the. Um, cornerstone game for me when it comes to indies. That was my first indie game and it really opened my eyes to, it, it turned me completely from, uh, and, you know, just, I, I totally played off indies as, you know, just, uh, you know, just throwaway games to being, you know, a great, a holy grail for um, these type of uh, themes. But uh, anyway, so, uh, you know, it, it came at a really good time. So I think that, that uh, you know, where, where it wasn't, you know, quite as, um, you know, it, 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 uh, it's starting to become a bit more crowded now, but, you know, I think back then it, it had a bit more room for these, you know, superstar indies to, to shine. And I think, you know, a lot of the, the advertisement that, that came from like Sony and, and others that show that this is, this is the future of gaming. This is what an indie can bring to you. And, uh, you know, I think that really helped. Yeah, I think well, a couple of things I wanted to break down out of that. Um, <clears throat> a lot of good subjects you brought up. And I want to talk about Journey in the context of the other That Game Company games uh, in a little. But um, to talk about um, minimalism for a second, um, what do you mean by 
minimalist or minimalism? Well, uh, you know, minimalism, you know, takes every, it doesn't take any piece of um, the whole for granted. And, you know, and in a way it also, uh, you know, plays off of that idea of, you know, gestalt where the, the whole is the greater than the sum of its parts or whatever. So uh, every aspect of it um, is used with intentionality and, um, and no more, you know, mm -hmm. so less is more and it's a lot more impactful because it's not lost in excess. Yeah, and something you and I were talking about before we started recording too was how the, uh, the gaming industry in general terms seems to think that more is more, um, and it doesn't adhere to the maxim that less is more a lot of the times. And sometimes, like we were talking about too, sometimes you'll see a lot of games reach for minimalism, but only on a superficial level, only on a visual level, let's say. Mm -hmm. um, whereas mechanically they're very complex, or um, you know their length of play makes them complex. Mm -hmm. um, whereas Journey, it seems like there's a lot of things about it that are actually really minimalist mm -hmm. and not just superficially so. Right. Um, so I think that this game is successful in its minimalism, um, but I think it's also responsible for the rise in the trend of minimalism as well. And, yeah, go ahead. Well, before we get to that, what I was going to say about Journey's minimalism is that I think it makes every, to me, it makes every part equally important, you know, because if you just, the music becomes as important as the gameplay, if the gameplay is very simple, and the visuals, you know, become as equally important if there's not that much gameplay either, you know, it all becomes, but you got to move forward too and progress. Mm. And same thing with the time span, you know, you spend two hours with this game. And in that sense, I think the reason minimalism has become important for this game especially is that when there's less there, I think it creates less barriers between you and the people who made the game. And I think, you know, in that sense, it becomes more intimate. I think Journey is an intimate game since it's like very personal because you get to follow um, one character and maybe another one that joins you later on and you get to see like the entire journey just like in just in one sitting where you can't do that with very many games. So I think Journey's impact and the reason why it's so important is just like that intimacy that comes from its minimalism, the fact that you think about you know all its parts together, together at the same time and you only have one goal in mind rather than a bunch of different goals at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, reach the mountain. Right. That's it. It's That's such it. a simple. It's like it. It's capable enough to entertain an adult, and yet I played it with my two-year-old yesterday, and he was into it because it's a simple concept. It's like a storybook fairy tale almost at the same time. Reach the mountain, but I think in that sense, Journey has to work harder than a lot of games do. Um, it doesn't have the busyness to occupy you. Um, at an immediate level. Um, there's a lot of like, you know, inventory management, menu sifting, stats balancing in a lot of games that's really just busy work. And that's something that I've noticed recently in playing, um, you know, a variety of, of different games um, and different genres, um, that there's so much busyness in games that's not really all that fun. Like, I don't, I mean, some people I'm sure find like, yeah fun in like stats shifting and 
and stuff, allocating points and stuff like that. If it, you have the time, I guess. Right, it can be. I mean, like, if you're into an RPG, I remember, like, RPGs that I've been really into. I totally enjoyed, like, oh, I'm going to pick this ability. Right. I actually discovered in this, uh, this binder that I used for the notes for today, I had old notes for Final Fantasy Tactics about what characters I wanted to name and what uh, job trees I wanted them to have so I could do like a combination of abilities. But that's busy work. And I was like 17 when I like yeah. wrote this up, you know? And I want to say... This is an old notebook. <laughs> it is, yeah. You know, like, th there's nothing wrong with that. You know what I right. mean? Like, those games are designed for that type of, exactly. of an experience. But, yes. uh, but you know, so we want to sound like, I mean, but, you know, so we're not ragging on it, but... But uh, mm -hmm. this, but you, you know, for these types of games, indies, you know, that are very minimalistic, laser focused, you know, those are detriment and not um, added value. Right. Yeah. And to clarify my sense, too, um, I really like Final Fantasy right. Tactics. Yeah. Like that was my like it's third favorite game or whatever, um, of all time. But yeah, if you're gonna buy a tactical game, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to get the busy work. Yes. If you buy like a massive RPG, you know that you're gonna get the busy work. Um, but, good point, in an indie, um, which comes back to the games trying to adopt this sense of minimalism, I think they trip over their own feet sometimes in that they can't let go of the busy work, um, but at the same time they want to be minimalist. Um, so I, I, I'm sort of on the cusp of a lot of indie games as they come out. I'll see the first announcements for them and things like that. And minimalism has almost become a kind of a buzzword um, where it's like, oh, I love minimalism because I love Journey. And so this game, I probably like it, but I've played several minimalist games this past year. I'm not going to name any names, but some of them weren't all that great because I don't think they captured a real sense of minimalism beyond just, oh, like I'm controlling a block versus controlling a fully-fledged, you know, humanoid character. Maybe it's like the mysteriousness of Journey that helps that minimalism, because I think there's a, I mean, even though we call it minimal, there is a lot in the fact that, like, you don't really know where you're going, but you know that there's something, like, at the peak, and that there's, like, something to be done and to accomplish, you know, you're not just kind of running around, just kind of trying to figure out what to do. It's just like, you know what you've got to do. You just like go straight forward and, and then you just watch your surroundings and just keep pushing forward. And um, I think, yeah, like you're saying, like it's really focused in that sense. I think if something's like minimal, like it's trying to be minimalistic, but it's not focused, it just kind of feels like it's kind of everywhere at once in that sense. Whereas Journey is just very streamlined. And just, you know, you're going up the mountain. So actually, I thought of a question for you specifically, uh, since I know you enjoy films, um, which I'm sure you do too. Like, uh, I hate movies. <laughs> Just kidding. There was, but, there was a guy in class once that, like, uh, during an icebreaker for like movies, he mentioned that he's like, "Oh, I don't watch movies," and I'm like, <laughs> like, "I'm okay if like you watch with like you know whatever movies, but like no movies at all. That's that's not normal. <laughs> that's strange." But anyway, so I know you like. Um, um, cinema. You, cinema. You've seen a, a lot of um, foreign films, a lot of classic films. Right. Um, I'm sure you've seen a lot of minimalist films, True. too. Um, do you think that there's a relationship between how those minimalist films convey their emotions and deliver their story and journey? I think... 
to put you on the spot and also yeah. your, your film professor is listening. Oh, yeah. Dad? No. <laughs> Dad? That's my film professor. I'm kidding. I don't know. Um, I think, I mean, there's a lot of different, like, I guess you can say, like, like minimalist films. Like, a lot of them, you know, like, I'm thinking of, like, a lot of, obviously, like, French New Wave was, like, very minimalist in the sense that, like, their editing was, like, very choppy and, like, all over the place and their story was, like, very simple and, like, um, you know, it wasn't big budget Hollywood or anything, but it did connect with the audience because it's like they're changing the game, they're not doing what's standard, and at the same time too, it's something that the audience could do as well. You know, you know, a lot of these minimalist movies are just like very like simple stories, and it's something that anyone could do. Not everyone can make like a Star Wars or like mm-hmm. even the like Godfather. Like that thing had a huge budget too. Mm-hmm. Like those are very good films, um, but at the same time, they're not. You know, doable, and they're not achievable like by like a person. And because when you can see like minimalism in films, it's something that you pick up like really easily. It's like a, no- a very noticeable kind of way they cut the film together, and the way like it goes on, and like the music, maybe the lighting is like very used very sparsely. Um, and so in that sense, I think with Journey, I think like I said, there's a connection to like you like. The way that game company like connects to you as a player because the barriers are broken down, it's the same thing with like minimalist film. Like you connect with it because it feels more human in that sense. It's like not a big budget, it's not ornate or like flowery or anything. It's just simple and like streamlined in that mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. So, um, touching back on something we've mentioned uh, a little earlier was a sense of awe and wonder that uh, Journey is able to convey. Um, There's a quote here that I found from Genova Chen uh, where he said, I started to realize there's an emotion missing in the modern society, and of course missing in the online console games. It's a feeling of not knowing, a sense of wonder, a sense of awe at the fact that you don't understand, at the fact that you're so small and you're not empowered. And so our focus for Journey was to make the player feel small and to wonder. So when they run into each other in an online environment, rather than thinking about how am I supposed to use my gun on the other player, we wanted them to feel a connection to another player. So I wanted to ask you guys, how true do you think that statement is, that uh, wonder and awe are missing from modern society and specifically in online console games. Uh, one of my not really pet peeves, that's kind of still too strong of a word, but there you go, with Genova Chen is his generalizations of things. So what do you guys think about that statement though? Uh, wonder missing from society and from, from video games. Alright, so um, yeah, so every map is, you know, like carefully, you know, mapped for every uh, Bit of tactical uh, use that that it has for the player, you know, um, and and you know, so it becomes way too. From a, there's no awe, there's no, um, you know, like admiration for the beauty of the map too. I noticed like some of these maps are beautiful, but you know, there's no commentary on it. There's no like uh, talk about the aesthetic or whatever. It's just all about okay, here's the corridor. Here's you know, there's a good sniping spot or whatever. You know. Yeah, so you could just like totally remove all the textures and it would just, you know, it wouldn't phase anybody that's playing the game. Uh, 
yeah, but uh, you know, so when I play other games like um, uh, you know when I'm playing right now, No Man's Sky, you get to explore completely uncharted you know uh, planets with your friends, and you know each alien landscape you know will look different. It's the first you're the first person to uh, to witness it, and and you know it's it it does invoke that sense of awe, um, and. You know, so you you don't see that very often, and that's what struck me. You know, I don't want to make this a No Man's Sky podcast, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe but, uh, we will eventually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know that that's what one of the very unique things about that game. That you know, also you know, you can make that correlation with Journey. Um, <clears throat> you know, but I think Journey is a bit more of on a, a emotional and spiritual level, um, and uh, where it it wants to pull that sense of awe from. And uh, you know you really get that, um, especially near the end as you um, approach the mountain and uh, you get closer and closer to that destination, and then of course the finale. Mm. Um, you know it, it uh, you know sweeps you away. Mm. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you you hit on something that I also wanted to mention, which is uh, this strange spiritual aspect to journey. Um, the first time I played it and I, I reached the, the finale when you're after you you know pass away or you die or you fall asleep in the snow whatever it is and those uh, white robed figures come and resurrect the player's body um, and suddenly you soar up the side of the mountain was such a triumphant and um, moving I thought the most moving moment in the game for me um, was just flying up the side of the mountain mm -hmm. as uh, my favorite track in the game, Apotheosis, plays. And um, that one moment, I have not encountered anything like it in gaming since, um, nor had I before. And it really did feel like a, like a spiritual sort of a, a feeling. To me, it felt like I had died um, and that I was ascending to... The summit myself um, and to be that invested in a character that it only spent an hour an hour and a half two hours with previously is mind-blowing how connected and how um, invested I was in that character and how much that resonated with me um, so now you think about it like this is a weird concept to, to think about the spirituality of, of video games there's like not a whole lot there. Um, typically, and I was talking about this with a few other people, and we tried to list examples, um, but typically when religion or spirituality is mentioned in games, it's uh, associated with value statements. And so like my expertise is in the 90s, specifically. That's where I still play most of my games are in the 90s. Um, but you have like the 90s JRPGs um, where... I mean, I can't think of a specific like example of spirituality being removed from a value statement. It's either like in the form of like a mentor that's like wasting away or, or fallen or whatever, or some sort of ancient religion in that aspect, or like a cult um, cover for like demons in like a, in a modern aspect or in a current present day aspect, excuse me, or like the last boss becoming a god which is like all over the 90s. <laughs> like, you know, like, wouldn't even be surprised if Dr. Robotnik was like 
I am going to fuse myself with the the live stream or whatever. <laughs> One winged Eggman. Um, you're listening to this podcast just for that, just for that. Just. So, but um, I don't know if if this game resonated with you guys on that level though. Um, it certainly did for me. Yeah, yeah. definitely for me. Um, yeah, just uh, and then you know. With those kind of games that impact you so much, especially at the end, uh, you know, it's I find it so hard to go back to. I don't, you know, want it to like cheapen that moment or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like I had to let it sink in, but um, you know, it definitely got me to that place. You know, like you said, connected with that character. If you could call it, it's more of like an avatar, like right? Uh, yeah, you know, it's it, it. The only real, you know connection you know that that you have with them is you know you feel small and you feel <clears throat> curious and um and you know just having that going on that journey um you feel the same way like you said you feel like you died and and you you were um you know brought to that uh to that state and and yeah it, it totally um you know it got me there as well so huge impact Payoff. You know what? Too, I think Journey sounds a lot like a, a fake video game um, from Android's Dream of Elect. Do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep? Have you ever read that book? A long time ago. Like, there's a, I guess, like some kind of like video game. I guess you could say, but like they didn't even have that back when they built that. So, but it's like you're moving like a basically like an av- like a like uh, avatar up the mountain, and like you're constantly like falling back and back, and then like, your whole goal. But it's like a religion too at the same time. This mm-hmm. video game. Mm-hmm. So like you're moving up and up the mountain. To reach a peak, and I guess the point of the game was to like just basically teach you compassion, mm. and so which and that's like that's a common theme across like world religions too. Yeah, it's like it's compassion and, and compassion. Yeah. yeah, and then just struggle too. I think especially because right. like, that's what a lot of um, religion and like spirituality is is like a struggle between like life. And so I think in a sense this game did you know feel spiritual, and that you're you're following along an avatar that's like supposed to be almost you. And you and this avatar or yourself are trying to get up to this mountain, it becomes. And I think, like, it's, like, part of the mysteriousness in the journey um, of going to, like, a, a, you know, towards a goal, like, that's kind of spirituality in the sense of, like, you know, like, Islamic religions, you go to Mecca, mm-hmm. or, like, you know, and um, other, I think, is it Buddhist? That do you like Nirvana? Like pilgrimages? Oh, yeah. Nirvana? Yeah. Yeah. Like, reaching, like, so. a, like, an ascended state in that sense. Yeah. And so... Um, I think like it, it correlates with that kind of mm-hmm. with that you know that kind of thing you know like pilgrimage reaching like an an ascend like an ascended state right and so and that's too that's that's apotheosis that mm-hmm. title is the the word means like to reach a divine state or the mm-hmm. culmination a climax of uh, growth in that sense um, but yeah and I jotted down too do you think that journey is about punishment penance or atonement like looking over the whole story, you know, you have this figure that appears in the desert and they're compelled for some reason that we don't understand until we piece things together to journey to this mountain, which eventually kills them. Um, and there's this moment too, before I finish that thought, there's this moment too where, and I only noticed it this time, where the, the character notices in one of the glyphs that they're going to die on the way up the mountain. It shows them kind of crumpling over. Um, but you still go anyway. 
And I thought that was interesting because it, it's like the journey is unavoidable. Death for ourselves is unavoidable. Mm. It's part of our journey. And yet you have to go anyway. You have to go toward the mountain. Right. So then after reaching the mountain, you know, you've discovered that um, this civilization has fought over the resources and they've annihilated their ecosystem and each other. Um, Only their war machines survive them. And you're this red-robed figure that's sent down from the stars to experience this journey. So then are you, you know, is this uh, reincarnation or is it salvation? Or is it both? Is it atonement or is it punishment? Are you doomed to repeat this? Because after you reach the mountain, that comet travels back to the beginning. And at first I was like, well, are you stuck in a, a loop? You know, or are you, is it just, you know, one guy that's doing it over and over again? Or is it, you know, multiple entities that are doing it over and over again? Or, you know, is it one person, each person gets their chance to experience this journey again? I think it's like meta in that sense, the fact, and I think including like another person to join you along the journey makes that kind of almost clear of like what this is, is that we are literally like ourselves are connecting to this experience and to the singular kind of pilgrimage and journey. Mm-hmm. And so um, I don't know where we come from or if we're, like in the game, I guess you, you could say, like, I don't know where we where that avatar exactly like, comes from, right? Like, in part of the lore, but it's just kind of supposed to be us, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think, in that sense, it's like it makes it like meta, you know, almost. And so, we're like literally like ourselves are moving up the mountain, and whoever joins us is um, whatever their background or whoever kind of person they are, they're just there with you to ascend up the mountain, right? Yeah, and it's beautiful in its simplicity in that sense because, like, you use the term meta. Um, I feel like if this game were made more clumsily, it would, you know, attempt to break the fourth wall all the mm-hmm. time. It would attempt to tell you it's a game telling you about your life mm-hmm. rather than it just being this journey that resonates with you and you find yourself in. Like, it's it's a metaphor mm-hmm. for life, I think. You know? Yeah, and I want to, like, also, you know, because it's, it's the obvious and, and easiest and, and most relatable uh, part of this game is, is that it's, you know, a journey for our life um, that occurs over uh, like a lifetime. But I also want to maybe propose that it's uh, like, it, it can recur. It's it's not that it could be more of a season of, of our life, you know. Mm-hmm. We all go through, you know, ups and downs and we have, you know, kind of like this cycle um, and uh, where we start at the beginning of you know this journey everything's new and amazing and then we get to you know where there's um you know more uh struggle and uh and um and then you start to lose some of that hope or whatever and then and then you come out of it and and, and, i mean then you end up you know maybe even you know because at the end he he dies and you know it's not just like overcoming it but he was he was helped out not uh, not only throughout the journey, but at the very end, you know that it was you know those white robed figures that that brought him, uh, you know, to that end. And you know, I think, um, you know, the, the one of the main focuses of this game is not in, uh, you know, it's, it's just not it's not just making it to the mountain. It's about making it to that mountain, that journey, with another person, mm-hmm. and um, understanding the value of that connection with other people. And, um, and so, 
you know, you, you will go through that cycle throughout your life. You know, you'll uh, multiple times, most likely, you'll have connections, you'll lose them, you know, uh, whether you move away, whether you, uh, somebody dies, um, you know, or, you know, a fallout from a, a you know, bad argument, something like that. And, and then, you know, you'll, um, you know, but, you know, the, the most sacred times are when you're brought up uh, from that state of being on the floor and just broken by another person and and restoring your hope in in that humanity and in, in life. So, uh, you know, I, I think this is not just a, um, you know, just a commentary on um, our entire life um, from beginning to end, but, you know, on just a recurring basis, you'll, you'll, uh, you'll get to experience that. It's uh, quite sobering. <laughs> and this is a this is a video game podcast. <laughs> but you know, that's good. That's why this is why I like video games, mm-hmm. um, and this is why I like talking about them um, in the way that they can reflect back at you. But you mentioned so the the multiplayer in Journey is one of my favorite multiplayer systems I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking earlier about like how does the game. How does the game initiate multiplayer? And I don't necessarily want to get into all the technicalities you know, over a podcast, but it's just bizarre how like an area can feel like a lobby for just two people, but it seems like you the lobby is actually follows you because it's your proximity. The interesting thing about the multiplayer in Journey is how much it emphasizes the value of human companionship and the value of having another person with you in life and in your journey and in this game. Um, so like I just replayed it yesterday and I actually met two people and I was like, that's why are there still people playing this game like, <laughs> six years later? And it doesn't have a ton of replay, replay value. And there's a lot of people like yourself, Cameron, who you know will play it and hang on to that experience. I hadn't played it previously for close to three years. Um, so now it's the sort of game that you play all the time. But so I was surprised to meet human beings in the game again. And I journeyed for a while with someone for, you know, uh, a few areas. And uh, I showed him a couple secrets that I knew about. And uh, we had fun, you know, doing that little musical mm-hmm. language, like stuff that they do, yeah. um, which is just genius to not have actual text, you know, of dialogue in this game um, takes away being trolled by 13-year-olds, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, I lost that companion Mm -hmm. um, about halfway through the game and felt overwhelmingly sad. (laughs) Um, There's no way to get him back. I I don't know, because, again, I don't understand, like, the mechanics of Journey's multiplayer, but I waited... You know, and then I was like, is he ahead of me? Is he behind me? And they just kind of disappear. And they kind of disappear, right? Because however the game works, it seems like if you lose them at a certain point, then you're done mm-hmm. with a companion. So, um, of course, it was in that uh, the underground area where you're being pursued by yeah. the war machines and stuff like that. And you're just like, I really want a friend right now. <laughs> Even though you can't 
do anything really with each other. You can help each other to float a little longer and you can do that, you know, musical language. But it's not like the friend gives you any material value. Um, just like a real friend, unless you know some like sugar daddies that are like give you real material value, like his $100. But friends, though, don't, you know, don't, uh, like, what is the C.S. Lewis quote? They don't give you, um, you know, any. Oh, was it? I know. Uh, value to life. life. Right, something like that. Doesn't have any survival value, but it gives it's value like, to your survival. Yeah, yeah. One of those, like, wordplay yeah. C.S. Lewis quotes. But, um, which I totally agree with. I mean, you can live your life like a dude walking up this holy mountain without friends, um, all alone, mm -hmm. and be mis miserable. You can uh, live your life without, you know, I, I know several people who are like, well, I hate, I hate humans. Like, well, I don't think you could really live without humans. I mean, you kind of need human beings, it seems like, are, are built with some sort of need for companionship. And this game is able to touch on that fundamental human need to be with somebody mm. in a way that games with much more robust um, online systems um, don't accomplish at the same level. Um, so like a game we were playing a while ago, Monster Hunter uh, World, um, fun game, long game, <laughs> much bigger than Journey, um, with much more detailed online multiplayer capabilities. Um, you know, the ability to talk over the headphones, uh, things like that, gestures and text and whatnot, um, which makes you feel like the person is really there. But on an emotional level, um, it was not the same thing as, as Journey. And I really haven't found anything, you know, like Journey at the same emotional level. So Yeah, and I wanted to, you know, like make that correlation because, you know, you have co-op games but this is different, and this is more than a co-op game, you know, because, mm -hmm. you know... Which is, sorry, the, the, which is almost the entire gaming industry. Mm -hmm. Co-op or competitive. Yes. And that's it for your multiplayer. And in a lot right. of ways, co-op is still competitive. Right, because, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you're competing in your final score, or you're competing in your competence, because... Oftentimes when I'm playing, you know, and I don't play a lot of multiplayer, but whenever I do play with online people in co-op, or even just on the same team, you hear in, in team chat, I mean, they're, you're always uh, talking about each other's confidence, you know, whether somebody messes up and, you know, all, and then they just like, oh man, we got this loser on our team. Right, yeah. It's just yeah. like, you know, so you always feel like, uh, you know, I got to prove myself, I've, I've got to, you know, you got to earn your way, earn your respect or whatever, you know, something uh that you have to work for and this game just totally removes all of that and says you know let's you know we're not just working towards the same goal we are you know partners on this journey mm. and, and that's on so, equal footing exactly right and, and, and like you said no there's no you, you don't really add you don't really add that material value to each other as far as like uh you know you know uh, giving each other items or uh you know um Boosting each other's score, you know. Mm -hmm. you know so, uh, you know, it's it's just uh, their geniuses. I don't know how they how they did it because um, there's so many ways this thing could have gone wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you could have just ignored the other player. Yeah, you could ignore. You could have. I mean, you got people that just love to troll. You know, how do you stop that kind of thing and, and keep that experience intact? It could have been ruined in so many different ways. But 
Um, I think that's one of the most genius parts of the game that you kind of take for granted, or I mean, uh, is easy to take for granted. Um, but you know, I'm sure a lot, a lot of time and, and play testing went into uh, making fine tuning that because mm-hmm. uh, there's so many ways. There's so many ways people, you know, like to mess around with other people, even just for fun, you know. But yeah, that was one of. I'm sorry. That was one of um, my first thoughts when I played Journey. Was uh, can I just ignore somebody and make it to the end? You can, sure. Mm-hmm. But I think you lose a part of what makes this game special. Yeah, it's part. When I played Journey, like I ran into two different people, and um, what's it called? One of them, like, got, got went with me like about like twenty five percent, and the other twenty five, and then like the rest of the half I was kind of on my own in that sense. Um, but I think it was really interesting because it's like you don't, you can't pick them. You don't um, know where they come from, or like what their username is, or any of that. It's just their presence is there with you, mm-hmm. and I think it's that sense of like presence of like you don't know this is a stranger, but you're both experiencing like this at the same time, and you know we both have the same goal, and you're both just kind of you're experiencing the same thing, and I guess that level of like companionship and presence, and that you know that someone else there's actually like someone else sitting like playing with you. You start to think about it, mm-hmm. especially because you didn't pick this person. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think in some sense, I don't know if like Journey was like trying to emulate real life, or like there's a certain set of circumstances and how you meet people. You don't really choose too much yeah. about the people you meet, but like you just kind of run into them, and then from there it kind of takes off. Right? Like it's been said, you don't choose your friends, you know. Like they they come into your life. And yeah, they just come into yeah, your life. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I think you do choose like how far you'll go with right. them in that sense. And, and I think you spend time with and them. choose to spend time. Yeah. But like, in, as far as like meaning, that's just like you can't you can't control that. Mm-hmm. How you're gonna like who you're gonna meet and how you're gonna meet. Like, if I could choose who my friends were, I'd just pick like you know any billionaire and I'd be set. Yeah. <laughs> but um. I think in that sense it's interesting how they use a multiplayer like because like I mean when you're doing like like I play like Overwatch a lot and so like you know you see all the usernames and you're also supposed to like be like a, it's like a team sport like that's what like multiplayer games are it's just like a good sport mm-hmm. and so I mean there is a sense in like teams but like you know you see their usernames and you're kind of like doing different roles and you're doing different things and you're trying to like just be competitive with each other yeah too and with the other team um but that's just the game itself, you know, you're not, I don't feel like you're experiencing the same exact thing or like anything very similar. Right. And so I think with Journey, that's the point of like having a companion that you don't know who they are or where they come from, or, but you know that you're together and that there's, you have each other's presence in that sense. And so you feel that. Yeah. And that level of, um, of that rawness of, it's, it's like, you know, it's a human personality, but there's no attachment of is the stigma of race or ethnicity or gender or um, identity or any other social aspect. You don't know what their job is. You don't know where in the world they live. You don't know what language they speak. And all of those things, if they had been inherent in the game, like imagine how different this game would be if a flag was over every avatar that said what country that person was playing in. Um, that would automatically allow us as human beings to insert our own prejudices and our own inability to interact with each other. Um, So Journey does, again, coming back to that minimalism, so specific. 
in, in that, you know, there could have been all these things. There could have been dialogue. There could have been <laughs> FaceTime in the game. There could have been all these things so that so that you could talk more directly. But it's almost as if that directness would have taken away from the level of companionship. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like having a pet, except a pet owner relationship implies a, a hierarchy. And there's no pet owner relationship in this. It's partner and partner. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't communicate with your pet the same way you can communicate with a human being. So I think that's why some humans have um, a more emotionally attached relationship to their pets than mm-hmm. to other people. Yeah. Yeah. So a um, couple more things just to start wrapping this up. Um, I threw it out on Twitter uh, today. If anybody had any questions or thoughts about this game, mm-hmm. uh, tweet it out and we'll mention it possibly on the podcast. I say possibly because. Twitter is an interesting place. You never know what could pop up. But good old Fritz Fritz Jalja, uh, s- said, uh, "Journey's soundtrack being nominated for a Grammy is an in- interesting milestone for the gaming industry." Now, I actually didn't know that this game was nominated for a Grammy, so I went back and, and looked at it, um, and I thought that was fascinating—the very first video game ever to be nominated for a Grammy is this game and it deserves it i mean the soundtrack is phenomenal now a, a short funny story um a little while back i created a meme because i saw this guy um i can't remember his name i probably should have looked it up I, if you're listening i apologize sir um but it was uh somebody who loved uh metal and um not the material the music um <laughs> to be honest. Anyways, all these asides. Um, anyways, he created this uh, image that compared uh, Nicki Minaj to this metal band, and like their their lyrics and Nicki Minaj's lyrics was uh, "You a stupid hoe" over and over again. Um, I guess that makes this an M-rated podcast. <laughs> Just kidding. It's PG three. It was PG fourteen. Um, well, and so, and then it had the lyrics on the other side um, for the metal band, and at the bottom he was like, interpretation, uh, she doesn't like someone. And then the interpretation on the other hand was like something profound. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that'd be really funny if it was for a video game. So I can't remember what song I did it for. Oh, it was for the final song on Journey, I Was Born For This. Um, and I did it, and it had Nicki Minaj in you know, the same example that he gave. And then I did this song, and I was like, you know, the meaning is that like we're on this journey together, and like we ha- we're, we have to complete it, and stuff like something like that, something general. And um, some people thought it was interesting. I think some people got that it, it was like a, a quasi meme, um, and then a couple people seemed offended that I did it. <laughs> so uh, um, one guy thought I was serious, um, and I clarified. I was like, I uh, I'm not dying on this hill. Uh, it's just a funny observation. Um, and he's like, oh, okay. Uh, and then one guy was like, I, he said, I would never listen to the Journey, and this is not verbatim, I would never listen to the Journey soundtrack outside of playing the game Journey, um, but I listen to Nicki Minaj all the time. And I was like, well, I'm sorry, but I listen to the Journey soundtrack all the time. Um, so I looked it up. Actually, uh, Journey and Nicki Minaj have the same amount of Grammys, zero. So I just <laughs> thought that was thought that was an ironic. Uh, so it's kind of like you know whether you're rich or poor, you're buried. You just 
the same way kind of thing. Sure. Like, unless you like have a pyramid or something. Yeah. So anyway, the music by, <laughs> by Austin Wintory is fantastic. Uh, he created a, a dynamic soundtrack that adapts and evolves and changes as you're playing the game, as you recall. Sometimes it'll it'll uh, it'll change based on your actions and as you move through the areas, uh, morphing as it goes in. Uh, it's an absolutely incredible soundtrack. Now we've all heard orchestral soundtracks never. to death. I never. You're a movie fan. Like I mean, even summer blockbusters have orchestral soundtracks. Yeah. Um, so that it's, I mean, it's not in that sense. It's nothing special based on its commonality, but um, this soundtrack is extremely special. Um, moving. Um, I listen to Apotheosis all the time. I use it to write to. I like would I would listen to that song every day. And I, I could because I have access to it, but I probably should just start doing that. But anyways, all that to say, uh, I think that the music is a huge part of how Journey conveys itself to the player. So, Yeah, yeah. I mean, it uh, it was one of the first video game soundtracks I ever bought uh, alongside like Flower and a few others. But uh, it's, it, yeah, I, I still listen to it and it's super inspiring. Um, most of Austin Winery stuff is just amazing, mm -hmm. but even the flow soundtrack. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah super true. true. Yeah, it and it, you know, it's, it's just so moving um, on its own. Uh, but when you tie it into the game, that experience, you know, you relive those moments. But not just even the moments, like just the the themes and the feelings that that you had at the time, um, makes it even that more much more special. Um, it's almost like you can you could forget imagery and detail, but it's difficult to forget emotion. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's why nostalgia is as powerful as it is. Um, and really that goes back to uh, Genova Chen's interest in entertainment as a vehicle for emotion um, and why this game is probably as emotional as it is. Um, but what, do you, what are some of your thoughts on the, on the music, on the soundtrack? I think the music in some ways might be the most important part of the, the experience in the game. I mean, and it's the same thing with movies, you know, you have to call it sight and sound because it's not just like what you're looking at because a lot of what you're hearing too, like really just like informs like how you feel and what, and it tells like, like the way the, the way the song moves or the way, you know, however it may sound to you, you know, that kind of informs like the emotion and how you how it makes you feel. So with Journey, you know, it's like definitely like there's like a lot of beautiful visuals, but the music is there like I don't even think to accompany to accompany it. I think it's there to it's just within the DNA of the game itself, it feels like, you know. And you move along with the music and the music is is, is part of what you're doing and your experience and the way you're going about things. And then so in that sense, and it's just a beautiful soundtrack on its own, but like in, in relation to the game, it's just, it is the game to me, you mm -hmm. know, the music is. And along with the visuals and along with the, way, the fact that you're moving and, the, you know, whatever plot or lore there may be, there may be it's just kind of there in stitch into it, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And here's a timely fact. 
<laughs> timely fact. Hashtag, Hashtag. timely fact. Yeah. You need to start using that trademark yeah. right away. <laughs> um, in the game, you're represented by the cello, uh, and um, and then and then as you get closer to your your partner in the game, you know, like you said, it's dynamic. It mixes in some other instruments alongside just the uh, just the bass um, sound. There, there's a uh, the harp and the viola, I believe, um, and uh, yeah. So I mean, like you said, I mean it's intertwined in the D. I mean you can't move or do anything without it, you know, impacting the music and vice versa. You know, it uh, it completely is tied into the emotional um, direction of the game, and you know, lives on every moment uh, depending on what you're doing. You know, which is the beauty of the creativity. You know, you can do stuff like that where your actions influence the soundtrack i mean you know what what else you know what other kind of medium can you do that in you know? yeah right yeah. yeah that's a that's a very unique thing about games well and even too unique within the gaming industry itself but the music uh, music being a language itself the music telling the story of journey just as much as the visuals telling the story uh, is one of the things that makes this game special. Um, so to close off with a couple of questions, gentlemen, um, coming back to something we mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, which was the context of that game's company's other games. So they're producing Sky um, that I don't know too much about, um, but I've played Flow and and uh, Journey. <laughs> <laughs> I've played Flo and, and Flower. I know you have. Have you played both? I've played both a little bit. Okay. Completely. But yeah, I find Flo really enjoyable um, as sort of like a like a trance state inducing game. I'm not like I've had like psychedelics or anything, but just like it's a it's a game that you can sort of lose yourself into simple goals and stuff like that. And then Flower is much more story oriented than Flo is. But um, Journey, for some reason, stands out from Flow and Flower. Um, and, pro well, I'm sure it's because of all the things we've discussed, but um, why would you say that's the case, if you even agree with that statement? Because, I mean, surely Journey does stand out yes. from, yeah. from the context. I agree. Why? Context. I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, I can't think now, of Of those three, it's the last to be made. So it has the benefit of picking up from everything they've learned previously. Yeah, and and I guess you know, like it is a more like um, shallow answer to it. You know, flow was really uh, uh, like a really good experiment in minimalism and game design. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, the mechanics are very simple, um, but and flower, you know, also was kind of a uh, the foundation. You know, when it comes to conveying that emotion through game design as well in a minimalistic way um you know it, it didn't quite quite have uh you know but uh journey you know was kind of that culmination of um where every aspect i think you know um you know i had a very defined beginning and end journey uh and see that see that's where i'm not sure i'm not sure how to how to put it in the words, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. yeah. What about you, Armando? What do you think about Journey and the context of that game company's games? 
I liked what Cameron said. I do think Flow was like more of an experiment with the new like game design method. That's really bad. Um, it's time like that. Time <laughs> Just insert that in front of everything yeah, that he yeah, says. Okay. Well, black humorly put. I, <laughs> I think yeah, the Flow was much more mechanical, and there's like a feeling to you know. I don't think there's too much visually going on with Flow either. And I think with Journey, we didn't touch too much on the visuals, but you know the visuals are there, and it's like a moving painting almost. And it's like, but even the art itself is like very minimalist. It's like very, you know, like its palette is like you know has like a certain palette that it sticks to, and like the way things move is just very kind of like almost cartoony looking. But you know, I'm not saying that that's bad. And with Flower, I mean, I'm not sure. Maybe it's just because it's a bunch of flowers. Like, yeah, it's hard to find an avatar in flower. Exactly. Yeah. I was about to say that that I think that's the defining aspect that makes that uh, very uh, personal and impactful connection is having that avatar. Um, you know that I think the others don't quite have. I mean, you know, you know, obviously you play as a petal or as you know um, an, an anemone, but um, uh, I, you know, but to to have this character that you can move in a semi-relatable uh, way to how you move and can interact in a semi-relatable way that you interact with other people and the world around you um, makes that, you know, it, it, uh, you're more easily able to infuse yourself into the game um, than maybe you could with the other games. So you're able to experience the, the minimalism and the emotional context a lot more poignantly than um, and uh, a lot more uh, directly than than you could with the other games, um, the other ones you felt like maybe you were more being told this emotional story um, journey. You're a part of that story, and I think that that's uh, the key difference there. So that just proves that representation matters, and you need you need a biped. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, the avatar itself is like there's like no ethnicity, no gender to it. Like right. it could be anything. Yeah, it could be yeah. anyone. Right. Couldn't well, it's, we don't even know that it's human. Yeah, that too, but right. because yeah. it's bipedal and it's wearing... It's more closely related to our form of life. Though. Yeah, so it's then, humanoid. Yeah, than a flower or then like a snake, like protozoa. Yeah. So, um, but I think, yeah, Journey of the three, Flow, Flower, and Journey, Journey is the most capable um, in conveying what it wants to convey. Um, flower is extremely beautiful. But I don't think it's as emotional as Journey. Um, Flower has death in it, but I think that the three of us could possibly say that like plant death and human death are like on two different yeah. planes yeah. of impact. Yeah, and you know, to be fair, like there were times in Flower I, I did have a really, you know, um, you know, it, I felt myself in there. You know, I had that emotional uh, connection. Right, and you know. yeah, to be totally clear to me as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I just mean in terms of in terms of level or degree yeah. of emotion. Yeah, and then uh, you know, and I think uh, I'm sorry, all these thoughts are coming to me. You know, um, in uh, more fragmented manner. But uh, another thought is, you know, I think with journey being a singular journey. Um, as opposed to like flower and flow um, are more, you know, split into chunks. And, and I, I think as you mentioned before, like how, you know, you can, it, they wanted to have it where 
you can complete it in a single sitting mm -hmm. as opposed to flower you know you, you could play one of the levels in a single sitting and you could play the whole thing if you really wanted to but you know it was it was very defined uh, distinctly you know uh, split off into different sections of the game different levels um, journey you know uh, was told you know very linearly mm -hmm. so how can people make more games like journey it's been six years since Journey first came out. Uh, the final question I'm going to ask you guys uh, is going to be regarding what games you would recommend that are similar to Journey. But we're not at that question yet, though. How do, how, how do you think people can make games like Journey? I think just having one like solid experience um, in the fact that Maybe part of Journey's like appeal and experience is the fact that it can be finished like in one sitting. Mm -hmm. um, and I think if more games wanted to be like that, just to do more different, just kind of do different music, different you know goals, different art style, you could kind of have the same game as Journey, but you know, it, but it'd just be basically emulating Journey. I don't know. It's kind of hard. It's a pretty special game. You know, I do think of like some games that were like an emotionally connects. Um, like I don't know why like, the, the Binding of Isaac comes to mind because I think that's a game about where like the indie developer like um, he calls it that because like his mom tried to like kill him as a child mm -hmm. and like um, in order to be like a sacrifice to God because she's just a very you know crazy woman mm -hmm. and um, so he calls it the Binding of Isaac to make like a metaphor to like you know Isaac in the Bible mm -hmm. in a sense and so I think using that as like a metaphor and to like do his own pain and suffering. And into like a video game, I think that's the way you could like make it emotional in that sense. Um. Yeah, and, and uh, I liked, uh, I mean, or I would say for me, I, um, I'd say having that laser focus on the theme and or the emotion that you want to convey um, and building your game around it is uh, super important. You know, you can get caught up in like, oh, I love this, you know battle system and I want to integrate that into my project or I love this visual design but you know you, you often don't think um, uh, but it's harder to, to get to the place where uh, sorry, you need a lot more self-control to um, to say no to some of those things and uh, really um, think you know does this add value to this one single thing that I want to convey to the player um, and to make that decision to cut something that maybe you love or, um, is popular. Yeah, it's popular. Yeah. And so, um, and you know, and the, I think that's the beginning of a masterpiece there. Yeah. I think that, uh, trends, there's trends in every industry. Um, following and chasing what's popular is why the indie scene exploded too. And now you have the trends within the indie scene as well. Um, Ebert said, games can never be art. Not they are art or not are not art. He said they can never be art. His reasoning was games are about vaporizing an enemy, earning a high score, rescuing a princess, winning. Oh. And you cannot win art. So what do you think about his statement in light of Journey? Uh, was he right or wrong? I think he was, I guess he was wrong, you know, because I do think video game can't, or is art, um, 
whether it's a masterpiece, it's just subjectivity. If you like Call of Duty, that's your art. But um, I think, yeah, I think if you think about it, most video games, it's kind of limited in its storytelling mm-hmm. because you have to do actions. And like, what more actions can you do other than to hit things with the sword or shoot things or just, you know, get something, you know? And so I think maybe that's the way, that's what made Journey so different was the fact that it's telling its story and it's part of its story is not that you have a sword and it doesn't give you any weapons. Mm-hmm. It doesn't give you any kind of actions to do other than just maybe just floating around. Your scarf, yeah, your scarf, that's about it. And that's about it, you know, and maybe telling a story in that sense, you know, um, makes Journey a different way to tell a story, you know, and just because, you know, you have like a game like Breath of the Wild and there's a ton of weapons in that game, but it's not even so hard yet. But if you want to say that maybe video games are limited in its storytelling, I think so, because most video games is just you have a sword or a gun or you have your fist or something. It's all mostly about that objective. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think if more games did want to be like Journey, maybe perhaps think of new ways in order to mechanically achieve something within the game. And maybe, yeah, I guess there is achievement. Well, because Roger Ebert did say that like because you can't win in art, I think... Do you win at Journey? You do win at Journey, so that's that kind of takes away from that. Well, you think about like how do you lose at Journey? There are obstacles, but they're fairly easy to overcome. Yeah. Um, given patience, you can overcome the, the game. So really, the obstacle is in yourself. Even the enemies that you encounter, the war machines, um, won't kill you. They can't kill you. They'll cut your scarf short. Um, so even that just slows you down. Mm-hmm. You know. So it's like. If you think of a book and journey, uh, is finishing a book winning that book? Is finishing journey winning journey when both just required patience from the reader and from the player? So I don't know that journey is a game that you win exactly, um, but I would say you can complete it. You can complete it, yes. Yeah. But even then, games where you do win, they can still be hard. And I'd say who says that? Um, you can't win it, or you know what I mean. Like, who said that? The authority that determines that. I don't see how that's you know a qualifier right. for one. Well, um, here's an example specifically that just popped in my head: dance. Dance is recognized around the world as an art form. Um, there is competitive forms of dance. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are, excuse me, there are competitive forms of dance. Um, in my own culture, Hawaiian culture, their dance was a big part of the ancient Hawaiian culture. And um, there is a level of skill that's involved. There's a level of tutelage and learning and, and all those things that you would do if you were in a competitive scene as well. Um, and even today, then, there's uh, hula contests too. So I think that um, you've hit a good point that who says games? You know, can't be art because art can't be won. But dancing is still dancing whether you have a contest or not, you know. Sometimes dancing is just to dance. Right. So I think with every, most every game, it's just, you know, you can't have a game without trying to beat an objective or something. Mm -hmm. Or without, like, dying, you know, game over and all that. But Journey doesn't have a game over. It doesn't, yeah, you can't really lose in the game. So can you really win either? It's just you really following the experience. Complete it, yeah. You're complete it. Just like a book. Yeah. Just like a book, just like, like a movie. Start to finish. Yeah, a movie. 
Yeah. Hopefully you're not walking around saying, I want that movie. Yeah. You completed watching the movie. Yeah. Because your, your, your avatar has one set goal. And like, it's the only thing that really can happen if you complete it the same way you finish reading a book, the same way you finish watching a movie. And I think that, so the definition of games as art that we would agree upon is that games are an art form that uh, are fundamentally art in that they're the result of creative processes from mm. human beings. Um, but that does not mean that every game individually is a work of art in mm. terms of a masterpiece. Um, you and I, and you and I, the three of us have played poor games, I'm sure, before. Yeah. Um, I play them all the time and get a special sort of enjoyment out of them. <laughs> but um, to bring this all to a close, gentlemen, um, maybe share one or two games that you can think of that you would recommend that are similar to Journey. Um, I know that's a lot to throw at you after we've talked about how unique Journey is, so I'll go first. Um, I think that uh, Rhyme and Hyperlight Drifter were two games that I'm sorry, I stole your Hyperlight Drifter. Okay, if you want to say Hyperlight <laughs> Drifter, I'll say um, Bound and Stay. And it's bad. <laughs> that was weird. I'll say. <laughs> I'll say. Should we start over? Nah, that's fine. <laughs> keep it in here. I'll say bound and say it. Uh, bound and uh, what is it that I said? Rhyme um, are similar to Journey in terms of their um, focus on linearity. Maybe not so much bound because it's fragmented um, as far as the dream sequences. But anyways, for the illustration sequences, you gotta play that game. But um, their focused storyline, their lack of dialogue, um, Bound has a little bit of dialogue. Um, Rhyme, I think, does not. Because I, I, yeah. I played through it once. Yeah, I don't think it has dialogue. And, and Rhyme is very much focused on emotion. Yes. Very powerfully so. So go ahead. Well, yeah, so obviously uh, Hyperlight Drifter. <laughs> <laughs> hey, glad you thought of that one. <laughs> Probably a And uh, so, yeah, I, yeah, I've been together this whole thing. Um, and uh, Shadow of the Colossus is a good one. Um, very, uh, you know, I think, you know, it's a little bit harder to distinguish the, um, you know, the the emotion or the theme behind it. Um, I mean, it's more open to talk about or debate, um, but, you know, when it comes to minimalistic design, um, I, you know, that's obviously one that's that's referenced a lot, um, and I think rightfully so. Yeah, but yeah, so those, those are uh, definitely a couple. Well, that was it. You made it. If you're listening to this, you survived the first episode of MageCast. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. You can learn more at thepixels.com. That's the-pixels.com at patreon.com forward slash thewellreadmage or find us on Twitter at thewellreadmage.com and at 8bitpixelcrit. This episode may be over, but the legend will live on. Passed down by the dwarves, the elves, and the dragons. <laughs>